Lord Jesus, thank you so much again for your presence that's with us this morning. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you you are so present, so ready to speak, so ready to bring revelation. And I pray that you would do just that. God, as I as I preach and speak your word, I pray that it would be more than just words on a page, more than just my prepared thoughts. But God, I pray that your spirit would meet us here this morning as we open up our hearts to you. And God, you would speak to us your words of eternal life. God, thank you for drawing us close to you, near to you. Help us to reflect you in your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I'm, I'm continuing this morning with our, uh, our series that we've been going through the past few weeks called Soul Maps. And if you're new or if you just forget things throughout the week like I tend to do sometimes, uh, I'll just kind of bring you up to speed to where we're at. We're talking about soul maps because I believe that it's important for us to, to discuss, to talk about, to be aware of, and to submit our emotional lives to the Lord. You know, you and I, not just the women in the house, like our culture would try to tell us, but every single one of us, we are emotional creatures. We have emotions that were given to us by God, and emotions in and of themselves are not sin. They don't mean that we're screwed up. They don't mean that we're irreparable. Emotions are simply indicators given to us by God, from God, that are to be submitted to God. To, to give us revelation and insight about what's going on in our hearts, what's, what's happening with us. Uh, and it's something that's actually beautiful whenever it's submitted to the Lord. So that's what we started talking about here a few weeks ago, because I don't know everybody's situation in particular, but I know especially coming out of and through a global pandemic uh, and being away from people and our society just kind of being feeling like it's in flux, I know a lot of people had been feeling that even as individuals, that you feel like there's unsteadiness, that there's uncertainty, and that can cause and bring up a lot of different emotions. And so I found it on my heart that we really needed to, to talk about our emotional lives, to talk about what's going on on the inside and submit that to the Lord. Because, you know, like I said, God created emotions. He is a, he's the God of our emotions. And so we don't need to run away from those things. We don't need to submit to those things, but we need to identify them, call them for what they are, and submit them to the Lord Jesus Christ, because that's what we're called to do. So in saying that, our soul maps that we've been going to have been the Psalms, because, again, emotions are not new to the Lord. He is very well aware, and the people who have followed him, submitted prayers to him, called out to him through the years and through the centuries, have written down prayers, have written down cries and heartfelt longings and joys and laments and all across the, the spectrum of emotions, written them down, and a lot of them are here in the Psalms. And so we've been looking to the Psalms and calling them soul maps, calling them ways that we can identify and submit our emotions to the Lord, every single one of them. We've talked about joy. Uh, last week, we talked about grief. And I want this week to specifically talk about grieving with hope. You know, I, it, this was something that was on my heart last week, but I didn't want to jump too quickly into it because we, we do have a tendency sometimes at church to be scared to talk about grief, to be scared to just sit with, be with someone who is in grief, who is grieving, and just 
ask them what's going on, listen to what they're saying, to pray with them, to continue that process. And so I didn't want to just jump straight into, hey, there's hope in grief, because I didn't want it to feel like some church cliche that we're just breezing past and skipping over what it means and how it feels to truly grieve. So I wanted to spend last week really talking about how to grieve well, how to expand our capacity as a church to grieve with others, to grieve as a community, and even to grieve as individuals. And so we talked last week about Psalm 42 and Psalm 43. Uh, I encouraged everyone to read that. And we're going to get into uh, this morning, we're, we're going to look at Psalm 43 since we talked a lot about Psalm 42 last week. But within this, and what I want to talk about and devote our time to this morning, is specifically grieving with hope. And the hope that we can find even in grief. You know, if, if emotions are indicators, I believe that grief in and of itself, even as painful, as hard as it is, as deep and dark as it can feel at times, that grief, that painful inward feeling, even that is an indicator that points us to an eternal hope. And I'll tell you why I think that. And I think that even as I say that, it's resonating with some people, that you see that even in a deep, dark valley, even in a pit, that can be something that actually points us to the fact that there is hope, there is eternal hope in Jesus Christ. And, and that's who I want to point us to this morning. That's who I want us to look to. And that's a, that may be a hard thing to say, because if you've ever dealt with grief, if you've ever been right smack dab in the middle of, of sorrow, of mourning, of pain, even like we talked about last week, I shared um, a personal story of, of losing a family member to suicide. And, you know, we've got people here who have been through, been through tough, tough things, dealt with death, dealt with divorce, dealt with, with pain, sorrow, suffering. And, and that's not something to just gloss over. And so it's, it's, it may be difficult even to say that, but it is true that even that pain, even that grief, that hard, hard thing to go to, is an indicator that points to an eternal hope in Jesus Christ. Even that is an indicator. And again, the, these emotions are to be submitted to the Lord. So, so that's what I want us to do this morning. And, and as we're talking about grieving with hope, grieving and having hope in the middle of it, I want us to come here to, to Psalm 43. And I'm going to go ahead and read this, starting in verse 1. And I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. But whatever translation you have, I'm sure uh, it'll be similar here. But Psalm 43, starting in verse 1. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man, deliver me. For you are the God in whom I take refuge. Why have you rejected me? Have you ever felt rejected by God in your grief? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. If you remember from last week in Psalm 42, that last, that last verse is kind of a refrain. It's like a chorus that came back again and again as, he, as the, the writer of this prayer is pouring out his heart to the Lord and talking about all this grief and this pain and this mourning that he's going through. 
He comes back to this again. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I will again praise him, my salvation and my God. So even in the middle of this difficulty, you know, we talked about how grief brings up a lot of questions. And it's okay to ask those questions. It's okay to put those before the Lord. But even in the middle of these questions, he says, hope in God. I will hope in God, for I will again praise him, my salvation and my God. So I want us to talk about that, that hope. You know, if you go to uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13, and even if you read a little bit in there, the Apostle Paul, he's talking to the, the church there, and he tells them, we don't want you to grieve like the Gentiles or the others do. We want you to not grieve like them who do it without hope. And he goes on to talk about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he's specifically talking about those who have died gone to be with the Lord. He talks about them being asleep, but that, that means that they've died in this world. He talks about them being asleep, and he says, I don't want you to grieve over them like others do who have no hope. We have a hope even in the middle of our grief, and he talks about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that in that resurrection, we know that those people who have died and gone on, it, that's not the end. That's not the end of the story. That's not all that there is. There is hope in Jesus Christ because just as he was risen from the dead, he can raise even you and I from the dead. He can give us eternal life like he's promised us. And so even in the middle of that deep, dark kind of grief, there is hope. And we don't want to grieve without hope. It's important for us to expand our capacity to grieve to be there with someone who's going through a really difficult issue, someone who's in pain. We, we don't want to just gloss over it. We don't want to just put a church slogan over that and tell them to just get over it so that we can be happy at church. We don't want to do that. We want to expand our capacity to grieve with those who grieve and to grieve within ourselves. But in the middle of that grief, we don't want to lose the fact that there is hope. And so that's what I'm talking about this morning, the hope that is in grief, grieving with hope. And so, like I said, uh, a feeling is an indicator. Grief, what I said, is, is an indicator that there actually is an eternal hope. And here's what I, what I mean by that, and here's why I say that. Because even last week, we talked about how grief is that feeling that comes up whenever you know that something is just not the way it should be. Whenever you're grieving for a family member who's going through a divorce, you grieve because that's not how it should be. When you grieve over the death of someone, even someone who's lived a long, full life, even innately, we grieve over that and that we hurt over that because even at, a, at the end of a long, full life, even death, it should not be that way because we were not created to die. We were created to live in community with our creator. So even that, we grieve over that. You know, I was thinking about it. Uh, I, I had my son up here uh, earlier. He was sleeping. And, you know, my son can't talk. My son has no words. He cannot speak. That does not grieve me at all. I'm not grieved by that because the kid's a few months old and he shouldn't be talking right now. If he was talking, that would be strange. That would be crazy. We'd, we'd talk a lot about that. But my son can't talk right now and that doesn't grieve me because that's how it should be. But you know, 10 years from now, if I'm on this stage and I'm telling you that my son can't talk, I would be saying that with a lot of grief. It would hurt to say that because 10 years from now, he should be talking. And so even that grief that I would be feeling is an indicator. It's, it's something that points me to a direction to say that things should be a certain way. 
we feel grief whenever we know that things should be a certain way. And honestly, we live, we live in a time where that idea that things should be a certain way is kind of taken out of the picture. That uh, Because if things should be a certain way, if things really ought to, to be working out in a certain way, then that indicates, that shows that there is a creator, there is a designer who did fashion this world. He did fashion you and I for specific purposes and for a specific reason, and that there actually should be a way that things are done, and that there actually should be a way that, that the earth is supposed to work and that this world is supposed to work. If we take that away, if we, if we say that life is just up to chance, that some nice little germs mixed together at just the right time, and poof, we've got a world here that we happen to inhabit, if that's our view of the world, then why would we grieve over anything? Because everything is just this random act of chance that just is what it is. If that's, if that's the view of the world, then why would there be grief over anything? So even grief itself that points us to the fact that there should be a way that things are done, it also points us to the fact that there is a creator who made things to sh- that should be going a certain way, that should be happening a certain way. So if you've lost your ability to grieve, I don't know if you've ever met, I've met some people who feel like they can't even grieve anymore, who feel like they've lost, like they, they can't, they've got no more care to give. If you've lost your ability to grieve over something, if you've lost your, your, your ability to feel pain over somebody's pain or even pain over something that's happened in your own life, then a lot of hope has been lost. Because if you don't have pain over it, if you've just become numb to the situation, if you've become numb to the hurts, numb to what's going on around you, then, then it means that you have no hope that things actually could be a different way. You have no more hope that things should be a different way. Are you feeling that this morning? I don't want to have to preach about it too much because i got other places that I want to go, but I want to make that point clear that if you've lost the ability to grieve, if you've lost pain over something, then that's an indicator that you don't have hope that that thing could actually change. And so what grief, as painful as it is, grief is a human emotion, God-given, into our hearts that painfully reminds us that things should be a certain way, that things should be better than we're actually seeing with our eyes. And as difficult as that is, even, even though that's a painful way to know that, it's important to realize that that grief does point us in that direction. That grief does tell us that there is hope for something else. Hope for something different. And this might be the question that, that you would ask yourself. So, so, so what do I grieve? And that, that's kind of a question that I want to ask you this morning is because if, if pain, if grief, if sorrow is an indicator that you have hope for something to be different, that you have hope that things should be different, should be a certain way, if that's an indicator, then I want to ask you, what is it this morning that grieves you? What is it that gives you pain? Because like I said, Jesus, who we're serving, who we are submitting our emotions to, the God of our emotions, Jesus felt pain. Jesus looked at the crowds and he saw them that they looked like they were sheep without a shepherd. And he had compassion on them. He felt for them. He mourned that. He grieved that. And then he became the answer to that. Jesus wept over his friend who had died. 
And then he rose him from the dead. But it started there with him weeping, him grieving, him feeling pain. And so what is it that you're feeling pain over this morning? Like, Pastor Micah, I came to church to be happy. I didn't come here to think about what pains me, okay? I'm sorry that I'm asking you that question, but I'm also not sorry because, like I said, we need to expand our capacity to grieve, and we need to let this be an indicator of who our hope is in the middle of that situation. What is grieving you? What is hurting you this morning? Because I'm telling you that if, if nothing is hurting you, if, you, if there's no grief, then there's no hope for Jesus to make some things right in this world. So are you grieving this morning? Are you grieving over sickness? Are you grieving over divorce? Are you grieving over death? Are you grieving over injustice in our society? Are you grieving over poverty? What, what are things that grieve you? What are things that hurt you? What are things that make you feel that way? Because if we have those things, then we can look to Christ. We can find hope right there in the middle of it. And we can see him help us, make us an answer to that problem. Because he ultimately is the answer, but he's wanting to use us to execute it. So what is that thing that you're grieving? Or those things that you're grieving this morning? I don't want us to run away from those. I don't want us to deny those because to deny it is to deny a God-given indicator that things should be different and that he's an answer to it. So let's not deny it. Let's not submit to the emotion, but let's take the emotion, feel it, see it for what it is, and submit it to the God who brings hope in the middle of it. Man, I tell you what, you talk about grief two Sundays in a row and it gets pretty hard. I need to preach about something happy next week. I already talked about joy. I'm going to preach about making bunches of money and giving it all to the church next week, all right? So y'all, y'all be here for that one. That's going to be a good one. But, <laughs> but what, are, what are you grieving? What, what grieves you? What, what hurts right now? Because truly, it's an indicator. Truly, it points us to hope. Grief tells us that things should be a certain way. And so then maybe the next question you would ask yourself, and you might already have kind of an indicator to what the answer to this question is, but so you say, okay, Micah, I'm I'm following you there, that grief tells us that things should be a certain way, reminds us of that. Well, if they should be a certain way, the question then is, will they be that certain way? Because it's just, it's one thing to say that, yeah, grief tells us that this world should be a certain way and that it should be better and that it it should be a brighter day on the other side. But will it be that way? Because I've been grieving for years and years. I've been hurting over the same thing. And there's no, there's no light at the end of the tunnel. It doesn't look like this thing is going to end anytime soon. So if things should be a certain way, Pastor Micah, will they be? And these are the kind of big questions that grief leaves us with. And I told you last week, I reminded you that sometimes the questions that grief brings up in our hearts, sometimes we don't see an answer to those questions this side of eternity. And I know that could be scary. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we see the heart of God in it. Sometimes the answer to those kinds of questions is like what God said to Job, who was questioning him and said, where were you when I put the heavens where they are? Where were you whenever I created the earth? And knowing that we, in our mortal flesh, we we can't see the whole picture. 
from our vantage point. We don't know everything that's going on. We don't know what God's doing behind the scenes. We don't know what God's justice looks like here, but his justice is bigger than our justice. His healing is bigger and better than what our kind of healing is. So it leaves us with these big questions like, okay, well, maybe grief tells me that things should be a certain way, but will they be? Can they be? And that's actually a question that uh, what's cool is the, the Bible really addresses. The prophets of the Old Testament ask those kinds of questions. Those kinds of questions that sometimes we're scared to ask in church because we don't always know the answer or the answer feels ambiguous and it's not a, a nice little thing that we can pat somebody on the back while we say it and send them off out the door to go live the rest of their lives. So we don't ask those kinds of questions a lot in church, but the Bible does. The prophets of old do. Jesus leans into those kinds of questions. So things should be a certain way. There sh- it should be better than this. Why is it not right now? Will it ever be? Those are the kinds of questions that the prophets asked. And they, they asked things like, where is God's justice? Where, where is mercy? Why is it not flowing like a river like it should be? Where, where is God in this whenever our whole nation is oppressed and in captivity and in exile where, where is God in his justice whenever our leaders, even as a holy nation, have turned away from him and started to trust in idols and things are going bad because of it? Where's God in the middle of that? Will this ever change? Will it be the right way? Because it should be better than this. Will it be? The prophets asked those kinds of questions and God spoke to them in the middle of those kinds of questions. And so what I want to do right now is I want to go to one of these prophets, the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 61, ask this kind of question, will things be better? Will it be better? Because it should be. You know that grief tells you that things should be a better way. So will they be? This is what the Lord spoke through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 61. And you can tell me if this seems like the way things should be. Starting in verse 1, it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn to grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord so that he may be glorified. They shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. I'm going to stop reading right there, but I would encourage you to read the rest of this. To see right here in this, this is the prophet who's asked this question, will things actually be better? Can they be better? And somehow, even in the middle of all this grief, even in the middle of despair, the the prophet here by the Spirit of God sees something that actually will be better, sees a better way. This grief, this hurt, this pain that I'm going through, even on the behalf of the nation of Israel, has told me that things should be different, that things should be better. And here it begins, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. The Spirit of the Lord God upon this prophet speaks to something that actually will be better. A future that actually is going to be better. 
And that's what I want us to talk about this morning, talking about hope and grief. We're not running away from grief. We're not talking like it's not there. We're not acting like everything is happy, happy, joy, joy. We don't experience any problems in life. But in the middle of these problems, the Spirit of the Lord can come upon us and to point us into a different direction can show us something that is on the horizon, can tell us how things will be, and that is that those who mourn are comforted. That is that those who are poor are brought up. That is those who are captive will be set free. That's the, the, the former devastations, those things that have been just crumbling to the ground. You know, it uses the imagery of a city, but you could even look at your own life like this, and sometimes it looks like everything's just falling apart, falling down to the ground. It, this prophet speaks to those former devastations being rebuilt. It looks, it, it, it talks about us being oaks of righteousness, strong trees planted firmly, without moving or breaking or swaying, an oak of righteousness. This prophet, in the middle of grief, of hardship, of difficulty, sees a future, sees a brighter day, sees that, yes, this pain, this difficulty has showed me that things should be different, and now the Spirit of God is revealing to me that they will be. That's where grief becomes hope. Amen. You give it up for the Lord. That that is where grief becomes hope. Because grief, as an indicator, in and of itself tells us, yeah, things are messed up. Yeah, things should be different. But whenever we take that grief and we submit it to the Lord, we submit it to the God of our emotions, the one who created us to feel the ways that we feel. Whenever we submit that to him, his spirit speaks into that grief and says, yes, things should be a different way. Yes, they're going to be a different way. And listen, that's the answer that I can't give you. Will it be tomorrow? Will it be next week? Will it be just at the very end of my life? Will it not be until after I die and I've gone on? I don't know. I can't tell you that because I'm I'm not God. I hope that's not news to anybody. I don't think it is. Definitely not news to Callie. But I'm not God. I can't answer those questions. But I do know that I serve a God who is justice. I serve a God who is love. I serve a God of mercy. Serve the God who is going to take those things and make it right. So whenever I see that my grief has told me that things are wrong and they should be a different way, the Spirit of the Lord can speak into that grief and tell me that, yes, they will be actually. And it's only in Christ. Because here's what's really cool. And you know what? I'm not even going to go read it right now, but I would encourage you to go to the book of Luke, chapter 4. Check out what the, the gospel writer there, Luke, says in chapter 4. Jesus he, he walks into the temple and he opens up the scroll and he starts to read. And the thing that he reads are these very words. He stopped a little bit shorter than what we read just now. But, but he reads these words about the spirit of the Lord God being upon him, that he's anointed him to bring good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to set liberty to the captives. He reads that in front of the whole congregation. And he says, this has been fulfilled in your hearing. So now it's not just some old prophet that was talking about good news that was to come. Now he's saying right here, right now, as you've heard it, this is fulfilled. Jesus said it. And so the, que- the question is, because again, grief leaves us with these questions. Why is it still like this? Why is it taking God so long to fix this? I know that he can. Whenever Jesus said those words and he said, this is fulfilled in your hearing, everybody in Israel didn't just automatically get healed. Everybody in Israel didn't just automatically break out of their prison cells and start walking around. In fact, 
Jesus' really close companion in ministry, John the Baptist, from prison, even went on to ask Jesus, hey, are you the Messiah who we've been reading about, or should we start looking for somebody else? And that same John the Baptist ended up dying of decapitation in prison. There's your happy-go-lucky Sunday morning message, okay? (laughs) Go, be of good faith. (laughs) Be happy and cheerful. Yeah, that John the Baptist who was asking Jesus, are you the one? Are you the Messiah? I could have swore you were. I told everybody that you were. Should we be looking for somebody else? He died of decapitation. He didn't see the fulfillment and the promise done on this side of eternity. He didn't see it happen right there. But that doesn't mean that Jesus was lying. It doesn't mean that he was wrong whenever he said that these words are fulfilled right now in your hearing. Because what Jesus did do, even though it didn't happen right there uh, as he was speaking the words, what he did do is he went out from there and he lived those things. He did go and bind up the brokenhearted. He did, you know, it said that the blind would receive their sight. He did pray over people and their sight come back. He did. He went out and he lived and fulfilled and actually moved and breathed all those things that he said are fulfilled in your hearing right now. And so that's what I want to say to you right now is that grief that you're feeling and you're wondering, will this ever be turned right? I'm telling you, in the name of Jesus Christ, it is fulfilled. That thing is going to be right. It will be right. Whether we see it right here on this side of eternity or the other side, our God is a God of justice. And He's going to make it right. Our God is a God who brings comfort to those who mourn. And He is going to comfort. I can't tell you all the specifics of how it looks like, but I'm telling you that I serve the God of the universe. I'm telling you that Jesus Christ is the one who will do it. He's faithful to do it. You know, Jesus, he, he, read this, he read this scroll. He read from Isaiah 61 here, and he told them this has been fulfilled in your hearing. It was a great message. It was awesome. At first, people said, wow, this guy's got really good, gracious words. By the end of the day, they were trying to push him off a cliff. So, so just because Jesus is saying this is fulfilled in your hearing, the practicality, the walking it out, the seeing, okay, how does this grief turn into to comfort? How does this injustice turn to justice and righteousness? In that walking it out with Jesus, it's not always really easy and simple. <laughs> that crowd that day tried to push him off of a cliff. But you know what? He, he went from there, like I said, he went from there, and he actually did go and do those things that was written right in here. You know, even the Spirit of God, Paul and Silas, in, in prison, praising, worshiping God, the, the gates of the prison just falling right off. Liberty to the captives. Even, even aside from physical liberty to physical captives, people who had been struggling, dealt with demonic oppression, with sin, with, with sickness, Jesus took care of it. He went around and he healed. He set free. He, he, he proclaimed liberty to the captives, and then he went and actually brought those captives out of their stuff. He did it. He fulfilled it. And I'm telling you that by the Spirit of God, Jesus is still fulfilling those things today. He's still doing it. He's, he's still a comforter. He's still a healer. And so... So you and I as Christians, yes, we grieve. We expand our capacity 
to grieve, to be there right in the middle of hurt with people when they're experiencing it, and to allow ourselves even to feel it when we're experiencing it. But that's not the end of the story. And we can't let it be the end of the story. We have to be able to grieve with hope. We have to be able to submit that emotion to the Lord to say, God, this is telling me right now, and I'm feeling it so much in the innermost part of myself. This grief is telling me that this is not how things should be. It should not be like this sickness that's in my body right now. It should not be like this divorce that I'm seeing. It should not be fill in the blank, children dying young. It shouldn't be like this. God, I see that. God, take this, help me, show me, reveal to me. And I believe that even in the middle of that, God will reveal to us. He will show us that that's not how it's going to be. There will be justice. There will be peace. There will be comfort. And he's going to bring those things. That's who, that's who we are to be as a church. That's what we are to embody. To be able to be there with people in the middle of their grief, but to be able to leave them with hope in Jesus Christ who is going to make all things right. You know, in, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, it's a really cool, really cool chapter of the Bible. It talks about all these great people of faith and how by faith they did this and that. And uh, Honestly, there's a lot of difficulty in it too. Uh, you know, it talks about people being sawn in half. And, you know, we already talked about decapitation. So I just won't, I, I don't know why we're, <laughs> we're just going there this morning. But it also talks about those things. And it says, of whom the world was not worthy. It talks about those people being people of faith as well. But what's really cool is at the beginning of, of that whole chapter, that faith chapter, and what I believe is actually a foundation for how we're to see the world, is in Hebrews 11, Verse 3, it says, by faith we understand that the, the world that we live in was spoken into existence by the word of God. So that means that those things that are visible came from what is invisible. And I believe that is even a foundation for how we are to grieve. We grieve and mourn and we, we experience the pain and difficulty of losing these things in life that, that are, are so hard. But those are the things that we see. And in the middle of those things that are painful for us to see, we have to remember that even those things, all those things that we see in this world came initially from something that we don't see, from a kingdom that we, we can't feel and touch and see with our eyes. And so that we know that ultimate reality is not what we see. Ultimate reality is those things that we can't see. And we're going to live by what we can't see. We're going to live by this kingdom that we can't see, that can't be established just by flesh and blood, but that is actually unshakable. We're going to live by ultimate reality, those things that we can't see. And that's what allows us to have hope in Jesus Christ in the middle of grief, because we know that that grief tells us that things should be a different way. And we know that in him and through him, they are a different way because his reality is ultimate reality. Our reality is not shaped by the difficulties that we're going through. Our reality is shaped by the God of the universe who bought and paid for us to redeem us, to comfort us, to love us, to proclaim liberty to us whenever we're, we feel like a captive to grief and sorrow, to bind up our brokenhearted whenever we're feeling that, to, to open up our eyes whenever we're blind, 
That's where our hope is. That's where truth and that's where ultimate reality is. So you and I, people of Jesus Christ, people of the cross, we know that what this world is, the things that we see, actually came out of what is unseen, the word of God spoken. And his word spoken over us, you know, it says in Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. That word is the word that's spoken us. Liberty to captives. Bind up the brokenhearted. Opening of sight to the blind. Declaring the year of the Lord's favor. Do you know that God's favor is upon you? Do you know that God loves you, cares about you? Do you know that God, you're, you're like God's best kid. <laughs> He's got you in his wallet. You know, you hear that a lot, but... The Lord's favor is upon you. Those are things that it's easy to lose sight of, that it's easy to, to have eclipsed by grief whenever we're going through it. And that morning whenever we're going through it. But those things, that's ultimate reality. That's ultimate truth. The year of the Lord's favor. Opening of the sight of the blind. Proclaiming liberty to the captives. That's hope and grief. Our hope is fixed in Jesus Christ. I can't, can't give all the answers. I can't give a playbook of how and when exactly it all plays out. But I can tell you that we're putting our trust not in a circumstance. We're putting our trust in a person. The person who is Jesus Christ, who is God made flesh, revealing his character, who created this entire world with the word of his mouth. And we can trust that. We can trust that. So let's expand our capacity to grieve as a church, grieve with those who grieve, to, to understand and know that feeling when we're feeling it. But let's allow, even in that difficult, painful moment, let's allow that to point us to the fact that things should be different and that in Christ they will be different. And let's live as people who have hope even in the middle of grief. Hope knowing that our God is the God of all things even in the middle of grief. That's what we're called to do. I'm not going to talk to you about grief anymore. Okay? We're going to go through some different emotions. and I'll just go ahead and give you a, a heads up that they're not all going to be easy, okay? We still, we still need to talk about anger, which isn't always a bad thing, okay? We're going to get to that. It's not always a bad thing. We're still going to have to talk about that. We're going to have to talk about guilt, you know, because that's really, you look in the Psalms, you see some guilt submitted to the Lord, and you see what he does with it. Psalm 51, if you want to have a little sneak preview on that one. It's a good one. We're going to talk about some more difficult emotions. But you know what? Emotions can be difficult. They can be really hard. They can be painful to process. But what they were created to do was to be submitted to the God of the universe. And in that submission, in that handing it over to them, they become something that's beautiful. They become something that points us in the right direction, that allows us to have hope in the middle of grief, that allows us to be righteous and holy in the middle of guilt, that allows us to have anger and to not sin as we submit those things to him. And so we're going to do that even more in the coming weeks. And so what I want to do right now, though, is, is I want to, to pray over you. So if you would, please, just with everybody head bowed and eyes closed, I just kind of want to see who I'm praying with and who I'm praying for this morning.
And so maybe you've, you've come to church this morning and you've seen that things are not right. They're not as they should be because of pain and sorrow and grief that you're going through. Maybe you're feeling that this morning and you really like for at least the preacher to be able to see that and agree with you for hope in the middle of it. And I'm not wanting to tell you this morning that whenever I pray over you that you're going to walk out of here and you're just going to be the happiest, go luckiest person in the world. I'm not going to make that promise to you. But what I will tell you is that as I I pray over you and pray with you, I'm going to be believing for the Spirit of the Most High God to come into that situation in even greater measure and to, in the middle of that hope, sit right there, or in the middle of that grief, sit right there with you and to minister His hope of what will be in His kingdom. And so if that's you, if you're experiencing grief and you just want some agreement, you want some prayer right now, would you raise your hand? I want to see that. I want to pray for it. Thank you, Jesus. I see that. I see the hands. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for for your willingness to let not just God, but even somebody else to see that, to see what you're going through, to feel that with you. If there's anybody else you know that you want, you want me to be praying and agreeing with you right now. I want to do that. Thank you, Jesus. I see it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, even now. Okay, I'm going to pray over this. If you know that that's you, that you raised your hands, that, that you're going through something right now and you need the Lord to touch it, to move in it, I just want you to know that I'm praying with you. I'm agreeing with you. Let's submit these, these situations to the Lord right now. Lord Jesus, you are the God of hope. You're the God of eternity. I thank you, Lord, that you see every single situation. You know the particulars of every bit of grief that's represented in the room right now. Lord, these, these people who have raised their hands, who have said, yeah, that's me and I want some prayer. God, I pray that you would invade that situation right now in Jesus' name. I thank you for the Spirit of the Lord being upon them right now to not just know that things are wrong and things are difficult, but to know that you're right there in the middle of it. And God, I pray that you would plant seeds of hope even now that as they walk away from this place, as they move from this building, God, I thank you for even greater lightness of heart. I thank you for a greater perspective, Lord, that they would start to see things the way that you see them. That, Lord, where they've already seen destruction, I pray that they would start to see those ancient ruins even start to build up right now. Lord, where they've seen and felt like they're in bondage and they're held captive by something, God, I thank you that they would start to see the liberty that you have proclaimed over them. I pray that they would start to to feel that broken heart bound up and mended in you and in your spirit. Lord Jesus, we thank you that things should be different than they are in this world. And we thank you so much, Jesus, that in you, in your death, burial, and your resurrected life, I thank you that they will be. And so we look forward to that future. God, I thank you for ministering your comfort ministering your healing. In Jesus' name, amen.